Hey, hey, hon, come check out these birds. It's kind of hilarious. I, are you just laughing at mating corvids? No, 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 no. Look, look closer. They're not humping. They're just sort of stuck together, back to back. Look at the, the that one's got his legs up in there. Huh. What, what in the world? You know what I think it is? What? I think they're Velcros. <laughs> Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. And I'm not Jane Harris Magnetdale, and welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where two queer trans women, that's us, we're wifey types, have a bit of a silly catch-up with some silly voices and skits and just generally, yeah, well, what are we being consuming media in the week? We yeah, do, we do on non tasty media. Yeah, how you do? Oh, I'm a sleepy little bean. Yeah. We did a social at the weekend yeah. and catching up a little bit from that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yes, 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 How are you doing? I wrote many words today. You did? You I even did a stream words. of writing words. I did a stream of writing words last night, and then I wrote more words today. I wrote many words. So many words. I'm trying to do the thing where I, I like, prep all the work for the festive period so that I can take some time off. Mm-hmm. That requires mm-hmm. doing more than the usual work, which is sleepy-inducing. Yep. You, if, you, if you want to take time off to dance with the unicorns, then... I gotta, I gotta buckle down now. Buckles? Yeah. Little buckles. One, <laughs> two, mm, buckle my shoe. Uh, so, stuff we've done this week. Pl- playing. You, playing. You played any things this, uh, um, this week? I, yeah, I, I guess I can say I kind of played one thing that's that's new. Yeah. I've, I've, I have played some more Wall World. Haven't got a lot to say about it, apart from the fact that I seem to have reached a point I cannot progress past, which is a bit frustrating. Yeah. Um... But the only really the new thing I have played, and I said that weirdly, but there we go, <laughs> um, a game called While the Iron's Hot, which I believe you talked about on Podquisition last yes, week. Yes, I heard about <laughs> this from uh, Comrade last yes. week. Uh, it sounds pretty interesting. It's a sort of blacksmithing game, right? Yeah, you are a, a young, hopeful, um, wannabe blacksmith. I called my character Jack Smith the wannabe blacksmith, <laughs> um, who dreams of going to this island where there is like a big city and all the blacksmiths and oh my goodness it's mm. it's perfect for all your blacksmithing needs and you start off on a, on a little pirate ship and you're basically taught the controls and next thing you know the ship fucking explodes oh, no. and you wake up on the shores of the place where you were going and you are found by a person who happens to be a former blacksmith who lost an arm and then sort of lost a lot of their hopes for life. But now they see you, a young person who can be molded, <laughs> kind of like you're forging something, uh, in, into a, a new blacksmith and perhaps start a new age of smithery upon the island. Um, yeah, the art style kind of reminds me of um, indie horror game Home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sort of like low uh, pixel... Um, slightly outlined characters, um, something about the, like the animation style as well, and and the sort of particular mm. way the characters are shaped, very much remind me of that game. I I don't know what specifically it is about it, but I, I <clears throat> that is what I am most reminded of. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's got some charm to it. Mm. <clears throat> it's um it's a lovely idea. Yeah, uh, I. Uh, there's a few problems, I guess. There, there are things that don't feel like great gameplay options. Like, you can set all of your ore. Like, you might have 100 plus ore and you can just chuck it in 
the furnace mm. to to melt into to ingots. And you can either just leave it, or you can do a mini game to like pump the bellows, yeah, to... and potentially get more out of the mm. uh, ore that you've put in there than you would have otherwise done. Potential for like doubling up on uh, every every time you do a uh, like hit the multiplier in just the right place. Um, but then you've got things like the grindstone. It's like, well, you picked the thing you want to grind, and you grind one of those things. Mm. Um, you have an option for like pinning recipes, so they'll just stay on screen permanently, which is great while you're in the forge. It's like, okay, I need to make a hammer, so I need obviously I need some some um, ingots. Mm. Then I need to smelt this many ingot or craft this many ingots into this particular shape. Mm. Then I need to take that over to the grindstone. But you can only, like, if you need to make, like, a bunch of, like, two-by-two plates, mm. you can only make one at a time. Oh, okay. If you need to make a, do a bunch of grinding, you can only grind one thing at a time. Mm. And it's weird, because it says, like, grind one. And it's like, some control, maybe, to grind more than one? And maybe something else will unlock yeah. later, but it does feel a bit like, come on! Especially when you've got things like, um, like a pickaxe. It's like, okay, make some, um, mm. like two by one curved bits mm. and then you've got to take them over to the, to the grindstone to grind both of those individually mm. also if unless you have a, a bonus there's a potential for making like not as quality stuff mm. and the more quality your product is the the higher um the more money you'll get out of that um there's a whole thing where the villagers once you've sort of got them on side will like constantly give you quests mm. and there's never really a point where it's the villagers say we're going to stop generating you random quests because you've probably got enough money to start mm. proceeding with things. So you can sort of get stuck in a loop. It's like, well, they still want things. I'll just yes. go and make make some, some more things. You can't be like I often am in games and be a completionist where I'm like, I'm going to do absolutely everything before I move to the next place. Yeah. It's like, no, you have to accept that there are some things that are wanted that you're not going to do. Yeah. So, yeah, there is that. There's, there's, there's a few little things the... Um, the whole crafting thing, so obviously, like, you've got the, the ingots, you just shove them in the thing, then you've got, like, a little, um, like, timed button press thing with the, the hammer on the, on the anvil. Mm -hmm. And then with the sharpening thing, it's like, uh, again, again, like, timed button presses in up, down, left, right, um, to, to grind in the correct directions, I guess. And then mm -hmm. the last, the, like, the assembly table is like a crafting table in Minecraft. Yeah. You've got, like, a little three by three grid. You've got to put the things in the right shape and then, like, hold down a button to forge them into the correct item, which, after a while, gets kind of tedious. But I don't know yeah. if that's because I've been making too much of the same things because the villagers keep being like, what's the yeah. thing? So, I'm... Having not played it, I'm going off of a, like, two-week-old remembering of someone mm -hmm. else talking about it. But I think the way Conrad talked about it was, like... Uh, it, it has certain things that are like a little grindy and repetitive to do uh, over and over, and then you progress a little bit, and then it's like, oh, that thing that was previously the thing sort of slowing you down. Oh, here's a way to just like, uh, like do way more of that at once, and like that's no yeah. longer the thing slowing you down. Something else is. Like I think the example he gave was like, um, having to travel between towns is like a thing that takes up time, mm. and then eventually they're just like, oh yeah, we, we've we've made that be a barrier to you for long enough. Now you've just got fast travel. And like oh, yeah. things, things like that, where like it, the grind exists, and then the grind will become something new, and the old thing is no longer such a grind. Yeah, there was a point that I I didn't quite, maybe I didn't catch it properly, and maybe I'll have to like read back through the tutorials. At one point, 
you're told that the um the the your like your mentor has built a, a mailbox and this will be like a way of um getting paid by the villagers but like okay but can i can i send them the goods they want through the mailbox there doesn't mm. seem to be an option for that so i still have to take them to the the things to them at which point they pay me so i don't really understand what the mailbox is for unless i just haven't unlocked it i have found a nice cow or oh. an ox i say it's, it's a big friendly ox i i helped the ox get released from the the carriage that it was sort of stuck to and abandoned with and we spent the night by a little campfire together Aww. and had a nice time. And now I have an ox friend back at my forge. Um, yeah, I, I think I want to play more of it. I'm I'm curious about it. The art style's kind of adorable. Um, the characters are really kind of fascinating in so, in some cases. It doesn't always make itself super clear as as to what to do and and what is necessary or not. Um, like uh, sometimes a villager will ask for a particular thing. Mm. And that will automatically come with a recipe for how to make that thing. But other times it's like, well, you've accepted this quest, but no one's going to tell you how to make a skillet. Yes. But each each of the the quest rewards for handing something in is like some a lot of them are like there might be a a, a recipe in it for this. It's like, well, I guess I keep doing them until I've unlocked all the recipes. And, huh? and my understanding is you can sort of guess from logic how to do some recipes. Like I think Conrad was talking about like. Ah, I, well, I've got like an axe, and I'm tra- uh, someone wants a hatchet, and it's like, well, maybe I make it with uh, one less piece of wood, so it's got a shorter handle. Okay, I didn't and know you could just guess at stuff. Yeah, I assumed you had to have a recipe. I, as I understand it, you don't have to have the recipe to make it. If you can guess, like, oh, I make it like this item, but I make this change to it, it might result in a new thing. Okay, well, that's just a whole extra thing, huh? <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, that that. Leaves a whole bunch of extra <laughs> questions that need answering, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I need to play more of it. I did a couple of hours on stream uh, last Thursday. Mm. Had fun. Twitch.tv slash Janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C, come say hello. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a fun experience and, and something nice to be like, I don't know what to play on a Thursday night that I've, is, is actually going to run well on stream. Because I think we should probably talk about the the thing that you are currently playing. What? I don't know what you mean. I'm giving 1,000% of my attention to the, the podcast. You are. In, we... in, in my defense, playing is a loose word. I have a game <laughs> running on my lap right you now. You do. Uh, yeah, so there's some new content in Vampire Survivors. There sure is. Uh, so the, there was an update that, that went live, uh, I think it was on the, the 6th or the 8th of December, uh, that made available the first three adventures. Uh, two of them are for the base game, so if you just own Vampire Survivors, you get them for free. One of them is for one of the DLCs, I think it was the Legacy of Moonspell. I would guess so, um, based on the title. Yeah, and the gist of these is that they are uh, short, standalone little campaigns, kind of, that remix content from the base game with a few a few new little bits thrown in, but they're largely about, hey, do you want to have the progression of playing from the start of Vampire Survivors again, where you are, like, unlocking your power-ups and unlocking characters and that whole kind of progression, but with a more limited item pool to actually force you to use stuff you don't usually use, particularly in the early levels, and a little bit of narrative threading to sort of pull it all together. Mm. Is that a good way to explain it? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to play it. And also, for anyone who hasn't like 100%ed the campaign already, for completing the uh, adventures, you will get some cash that will just be fed straight back into your yes. campaign. And I'm curious if the amount of cash increases when you 
prestige the adventures. No, it doesn't. No, nope, that's fair. Uh, do you get paid the payout when you redo the adventure anyway? Um, uh, yeah, so as soon as you uh, hit ascend, you, you'll get the payout of, uh, I think for the first one, it's 35000 Okay, and that's consistent through prestige. Uh, that has been so far, as uh, far as I've noticed. But yeah, you can sort of prestige them and, and go, hey, I'm going to do this again, and I have a little points to spend to sort of modify this playthrough of the adventure. Yeah, so the, the points you get, you get like little, I think they're just called ascension, ascension points. points. yeah. And you can spend them on uh, increasing your luck your money, your experience. I can't remember what the last thing is, but there, there are like four four separate categories. Each point is worth 25% bonus in that. Yeah. And um, you can respec at any time, which is quite yeah. interesting. So if you happen to be doing a run, like at the start of the run, it's like, ah, if I was making more money, I would be able to like buy more of the yeah. like between level power ups more quickly. But now I've reached sort of just over the halfway point. Money's not the most important thing, so I'll just pivot to experience. That is really nice, yeah. Um, but yeah, or or you can just leave them in there permanently. Um, yeah, um, I, it is it is nice play having an excuse to like not have to scrap your your main profile to be able to have that experience of progression again, and to specifically be thrown in with such a limited starting hmm. selection because like. The the very first one of those campaigns is centered around Poe, who uses the garlic. One of your favorite one characters. One of my favorites. Um, and the thing that like it took me a minute to realize was I've accepted every weapon that has been offered to me, and I don't have a full row of weapons or a full row of accessories. At which point you were offered the candy box, and yeah, so was I. And, and we I, both had the same experience. Yeah, we opened the candy box, and there was nothing in it because we had all the weapons and items already. Yep. It it starts you with a very limited pool, and it's like you are going to use this two thirds of a build, mm-hmm. and you know you will get opportunities to spec it out a little bit beyond that, but fundamentally. This is the core of how you're going to be playing this this set of adventure content. Go. Yeah. And, and eventually you will find characters just lurking around in the levels who will sell you extra items mm. that you've unlocked already in the base game. So again, you probably play this pretty much any time I like I don't know if there's like any specific unlock criteria so, based on the base game. Uh for the base game ones, and I know this because I've been replaying through on a fresh save file Vampire Survivors on uh Game Pass. Um, to get access to the base game ones, you have to have, I, th- I think you have to have beaten Capella Magna, um, okay. that first time. Um, I don't think you have to have done everything in version 1.0, like, you don't have to have gotten Queen Sigma or mm-hmm. done a lot of the, the, the secret characters, but you have to have beaten the sort of amalgam death at the, uh, at, the Ender. Uh, the Ender, that's the one. Um, I think that's when, when they unlock. Okay. But the Legacy of Moonspell one, you don't have to have done anything in Legacy of Moonspell or even, like, uh, on, uh, if you've, like, not even touched the game, but you buy Legacy of Moonspell, you'll have access to that adventure straight away in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once, once you've got them, they're just a thing that's there. Yeah, it's, I think as more content has been added to the base game, doing a completely fresh run through of everything becomes less and less appealing. Mm. Like at the point 1.0 was released, like I think I had already done like two, maybe three complete restarts. Yeah. Or as much as I was able to do scrubbing as much of my save as possible with the yes, abilities pr- I had. to the erase my data button. It was surprisingly resilient and I couldn't yeah. never work out quite which bits I needed to be deleting. So yes. I often ended up keeping my money but like losing everything else. Mm. Um 
And obviously, as more and more content, especially with the like the DLCs as well. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily know that I want to keep having to do all of um, Legacy of Moonspell. The other one, like, I would happily do over and over again. Yeah, Forest of Fuscari. Yeah, I love Fuscari. Um, Moonspell, like, there's some really interesting stuff, and I think it was a, uh, like, a fascinating first map, but it's not yeah. my favourite. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've gone through, like, all the base game content and, like, done the whole playthrough mm-hmm. on multiple platforms, um, mm-hmm. Steam, uh, Switch, Mobile. Like, I've, I've gone through it, like, multiple times, going through it again now, and I'm like, You've also done it on Game Pass, so you've got well, two that, separate PC saves. Well, that's that's it. And then, well, I mean, this is in theory Xbox save as well, it carries. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I, I'm feeling like Adventure... It's it, 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 In part, it was because I was like playing around with the, the Legion Go at the time, and part mm. because I was like, I want to know when the game like naturally would introduce you to Adventures. Yeah. But, yeah, I feel like Adventures is going to be the thing that scratches that itch going mm. forward. Like, I don't think I want to restart the full game and the DLCs again. I think... And and the fact that we know that, like, the next DLC that's coming also comes with an adventure, and I feel like that's probably going to be fairly standard going forward, is I suspect most of the DLCs will be here's an adventure. I mean, I'm constantly impre- keep- impressed they keep adding more stuff. It seems yeah. like we're getting what, nine, uh, nine, ten more characters. Yeah, and like 20 new weapons or something in that. An that. adventure, a whole new map. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. If if each new like DLC is like, here's a bunch of new content to play through on your main save, but also an adventure like that's a bit of a repeatable thing, yeah. I think that's going to really help lessen the desire to go, I'll just throw everything away and start again. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Like, I, occasionally that desire to like do a version, like an, an untouched version of, of the base game might might occur. But I think for the for the most part, this is going to scratch the itch. Um, I, it's quite interesting having like the whole story thing there because the uh, like the, the level description have, have changed. So mm. like we talked about the fact that the first one is specifically um, ar- around Poe. Like the first, the first level is like a here's a bit of backstory of remember Poe remembering a thing, and then yeah. it's uh, like moving on from there. Then there's quite an interesting like remixed, um, like using assets from Mad Forest, but it's like a big hedge maze that you wander around. Yeah, and eventually working towards ah Poe's Poe's dream is to just stand in a field eating garlic eventually and oh, no, no, and tasty garlic. Ah, what 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 could that mean surrounded by garlic filled trees <laughs> yeah um there's there's some really interesting stuff they've done with this um yeah. also i don't know when the new character arrived i think it was part of this i believe so update yeah. um also so there's a new character for the base game to to find yeah which has been fun cuz that character comes with my favorite weapon as yay. default so yay um, yeah, uh, you've... How, mu- how much of Adventures have you done so far? Because um, we did a whole so, run-through on one of them. Yeah, on so I, I did Poe by myself, uh, the fir- mm-hmm. that first base game one. We co-opted through the second uh, base game one yes. the other day. Um, I've played around a little bit with the, the third one, the DLC one mm-hmm. for um, the... Um, Moonspell. Moonspell. Um, that one feels like a considerably more difficult hurdle to enter. And I think that makes sense because it's yeah. DLC and it's sort of expected that you are someone who has played the shit out of Vampire Survivors already and is looking for more if you buy the DLC, probably. Also, some of those characters are very difficult to start yeah. from scratch I, with. 
yeah, I said this to you at the time, and I, I'm, I maintain it's true. I think a lot of the Moonspell weapons are great weapons to have in a build. Oh, yeah. They are, some of them are very difficult to start a build with. 100%. Like, yeah. they, they are, they are wonderful, like, a lot of them are wonderful error of effect for doing general damage. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are very hard to target a very specific incoming threat with. Yeah. And that lack of precision targeting makes for difficult early runs. Yes. At least until you can get multiples from from Moonspell. To, yes. to start with, um, I can't remember who it is. I think it's one one of the characters from Moonspell. One of the missions is kill 100,000 enemies in a single run. Yeah. And whichever character that is, I can't remember. Yeah. They are really hard to start the game with, especially if you are like running a late game save where you've already got maxed out curse, maxed out um the thing that puts extra enemies on the screen. Yeah. Um you can like you can literally toggle those off without having yeah. to do a full reset, but it's it's surprising that like pretty much any any other character I can go even Poe I can yeah. I can go on most levels. Okay, I can start. And Poe doesn't uh, is another one who doesn't really have a super strong start. I mean, but that I character I love Poe as a start. I think Poe Poe does great for starts usually. Yeah, maybe I think maybe that's just the fact that you've got super used to it because you played yeah. both Poe's. I, so I like well. running around in circles so that the aura just kind of grazes enemies. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the ad- adventure content is it is a nice additional way to play that game. Oh hell yeah! And and I'm very. I'm very glad that they're not just trying to add more content on top, but going, here's new ways to interface with what we've already built. Yeah, I and maybe that is p- partly to do with the the number of people who seem to, like me, be just like going, I want to restart from the beginning. And it's like, what if we made gave you that experience, but in a slightly different way? And I yeah. think that's really fascinating. The, the story idea is fun and silly, especially with the whole... Garlic behavior on on Poe's part. Oh, and such garlic behavior! Such garlic behavior, and um, Im- Imelda's thing about um, going on a mission against heaven and hell. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's good. I'm I'm glad to have more stuff to do in Vampire Survivors, and we've barely scratched through this, and there's about to be DLC. So, woo! I mean, I've prestige twice both of the the first two um, yeah. st- uh, adventures. I've still got that Moonspell one to do. Um, I'm still catching up on like a couple of um, uh, like little unlocks that I hadn't done on my most recent complete reset of the game. Yeah. Um, from, from actually from DLC stuff, weirdly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I'm I'm very excited to be pl- playing more Vampire Survivors and having more excuses to dive back into Vampire Survivors. Hurrah. But it- I will probably not reinstall it on my phone because that shit is dangerous. I understand. <laughs> uh, if you want some 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 company to try and co-op that uh, yeah. that that Moonspell one, we can see if two people makes it any easier. Yeah, and that was a- another nice thing, like finding that you could co-op the uh, the adventures. Yeah. And it, um, it unlocks a few characters, and you might get access to a, a slightly larger weapon pool as a result because of that. Because you can start with a character who has a weapon that's not in the the default starting pool, than that. Yeah, I think as long as you like 
maybe even just play a game with them. It seems like that that's enough in some cases. Yeah, at, at the very least, I, it does the base game thing of you have access to at least four characters so that co-op has some choice. And yes. That is a really nice little helping hand. Yes, because I did wonder, like, am I going to have to play at, like, at least one run and, and get one of the coffins open? But no, it was perfectly happy to let us have the, the top row of characters. But yeah, um, we will be back next week, no doubt, with with more stories I'm, of vampires. I'm sure. But um, yeah, tell us, tell us what else you have played. Uh, there's only really one other thing I've played this week uh, of of note to talk about, which is I finally got back to and finished playing through Thirsty Suitors, which uh-huh. is a game I talked about on on this show a while back now. Um, Thirsty Suitors is a a hard game to explain from a genre perspective. It is a Dating sim, turn-based RPG, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh, cooking simulator, in which you play as, um, basically a young woman in her early 20s coming back to her hometown, basically being like, hey, I had some fucked up relationships in my teens and probably hurt some people. I'm coming back to town to try and make amends and to sort out my own shitty past. Basically, what if, what if Scott Pilgrim uh, wasn't about, like, hey, nerdy white boy, please go uh, handle all my exes, and Ramona was instead like, what if I went and had conversations where I acknowledged I was kind of a shitty ex, and we, like, and you also acknowledge that, and we, like, repair this somewhat, even if it's not, like, a relationship we get on okay terms, Hmm. through JRPG battles involving trying to elicit various kinds of emotions out of, uh, out of characters, based on what kind of taunts you think will effectively get them to, to have a response and open up. Okay. That game is very well written. It is fascinating. It is genuinely impressive how all of those very different genres I described generally mesh together into one cohesive experience. Mm. The skateboarding's a bit janky. <laughs> uh, the, skate- the skateboarding's a bit janky. Um, it, it looks fun, it's, though. It's serviceable it's not a problem i didn't do more of it than i needed to like i wasn't hanging around to do extra skateboarding missions because fuck that it's a bit janky is it better or worse than um skatebird i found this more manageable than skatebird um this is good yeah but yeah things things that i think are uh, uh, interesting about this game very exaggerated over the top presentation but that doesn't let lulled so random exaggerated things get in the way of telling a good grounded story um i think they did a fantastic job with writing the uh all of the the x's and the uh writing about the relationships that the main characters had with these people in a way where by the time you're done with most of them you go neither of you was blameless in this in this bad relationship mm. and it's hard to be entirely mad with either of you or entirely forgiving of either of you. Mm. And I think that really works because it makes that sort of uneasy truce that these characters come to feel very believable. Um, uh, was this the game with the possible cult going on? Yes, this was the the game with the with the possible cult going on. And uh, the I don't know who, who was under the weird skateboarding bear helmet, because... I the choices I made apparently led to like an uprising of the teens throwing out the cult leader. Yay. So I don't know what his deal was. I apparently there were endings in which I might have found out more about that, but that's an excuse to play it again perhaps. Yeah. Uh having played through this game 
uh, I, I th- it reminded me a lot of the game Venba from earlier in the year, which mm. uh, was a game about cooking and its relationship in families and using Cooking Mama Star minigames to progress a narrative. Um, here you've got they used a lot more to be like a vector for conversation. It's uh, you would do a lot of these Cooking Mama Star minigames and have little bits of dialogue in between the steps of the cooking, and that was sort of how you open up relationships with your quite closed-off mother, um, because there's sort of a layer of an activity between you, and I thought that was a really nice choice. I like that it portrays positive endings to reconciling bad relationships that don't have to end up with, we still want a date, and like there is, there are degrees of middle ground between we hate each other and don't talk, and we should get back together. Hmm. I think that the game does a very smart job of like holding room for people to be uh, to be upset and to go. I am willing. I, I am ready to not be angry at you about what happened, but I I am allowed to still be hurt by it. Yeah, and like be mature about that. Funny, sweet, very emotionally engaging game. Um, I've never known a game have a summonable lesbian aunt that does a bodybuilding montage as, like, a summon attack. That's fucking great. Game of the year. If someone really disappoints you, you can summon your mother in, who will come in with a flip-flop ready to hit them. Much like the in-game relationships, the game is a little rough around the edges, a little janky, there's some awkwardness involved and some decisions that maybe didn't pan out perfectly. Mm. But, at the end of the day... It's worthwhile, and I'm glad to have experienced it. Like I, a relationship. Yeah, much like the the messy relationships in the game, I feel very similarly about the game itself. Um, well worth playing, even if you need to be willing to put up with a bit of kind of kind of janky uh, skateboarding. Stupid and skateboard. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's I think everything that's worth talking about that I played this week. Well, then. Oh, time for this. Ugh. Like, you know how big companies like Supremacy Software make, like, loads of money? Yeah. But they're terrible and stuff. Yeah. What if I was also that and could make money like they do? But, like, you don't know how to make, like, like code games or stuff, do you? Well, like, I can make in-engine videos and stuff. That's how I make all those videos... Of the guy with the urinal for a head. Oh yeah, the uh, the the what's a, what's it not toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I do all that. Well, I was thinking maybe like I could put like a bunch of videos together of um, you know, I built that big city. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. Well, like use. Well, the... I say built. You you got all those asset store assets and put them together. Uh, well, yeah, I put them together like that, Lego, that's, and that's therefore making, I built yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I made that city and you know what if i did like a bunch of videos of like some zombies or something i could like do an overlay or something make it look like like a hut there's like yeah like a hut like there's yeah. gameplay and, and and stuff involved and you know get everyone really hyped for it and um maybe i couldn't make 7000 new steam accounts in order to wish list my own game and and then I sell my most wishlisted game on Steam for like a day and run away. You say game, yeah. Pre-rendered video. Well, I I, I 
did the first video of a how to make a first person game in Unity, right? Oh, I see. So, we... so they will be walking around in it, but there's nothing there and, and no one there. I mean, it is technically a game. I don't see why why you couldn't. I mean, there's so much other crap on, on Steam. I think that's a foolproof plan and could never backfire on you. Yeah. Money. This is a public service announcement brought to you on behalf of service announcements for the public. So, you've been told that a word or phrase you use is problematic. Here is a guide to handling this. Let's say someone messaged you on a social media to tell you that a word or phrase you used in one of your public broadcasts was problematic and is no longer okay to use. Perhaps hasn't been for some time. Should I get defensive about it? No, absolutely not. Why not instead try thanking the person for pointing this out to you? Is that all I need to do? No, it's time to do some follow-up. Perhaps do some research. Look around to find out more information about the thing you have just been told. Perhaps learn some history. Look to people who are perhaps the target of such slurs or problematic phrases. So remember, don't get defensive. Be less offensive. Learn and grow. See it as an opportunity. Just because your granny said it all the time doesn't mean it's okay. In fact, given my granny, it's probably more likely that that's the quickest way to tell it was problematic in the first place. So, what have you put in your eyes? We put some films in our eyes. We sure put some films in our eyes. We sure had I wonder how many of these are going to be allowed to to go in in the list of things that are happening in this episode. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get the 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 least the least recommendable of these out of out of the way. Uh let's talk about Evil Bong 2. Sure is another Evil Bong movie. Yeah, yeah, we talked about Evil Bong a while back. It is a very it's a very bad horror film about a magic bong that if you smoke it too much you get sucked to the bong dimension where your your hands might get eaten off by an evil bra that's like a shark. Oh no, it ate your hands. This is a sequel in which all of the the characters from the first one are now afflicted by supernatural versions of side effects of weed. Apart from the nerd, except for the nerd, I think because he just he just did it the once he he didn't get like he did it once he didn't inhale he didn't inhale of course yeah <laughs> so like ah characters infected with the munchies and paranoia and insomnia and um, narcolepsy narcolepsy um. <sighs> This film is not one I'm going to recommend in terms of like you got you've got to give caveats for things that are a little iffy in it like it's um, it's not good bad. It, the character with the munchies is portrayed in a like very exaggerated fat suit and fat makeup and like yes. it's and um, there that is just an excuse for another character to just just lay into them for being fat yeah. for like 5 odd minutes. Yeah, and there's I, you know what? I will say this. It dodged some of the problematic line, landmines I thought it was going to land on. When, in order to go solve the curse, they have to go to... Uh, we've got to go to South America and find the, the tribe in South America. I was 
fully ready for... I'm uh, for... ready for us to turn this film off. Yep. And then it was like, okay, okay, okay you've, you've you've made it a, tri- a, a tribe of white women. I, I guess that sidesteps some of the ways this could have gone wrong. It's not... It's not a good film. No. But a couple of days later, I am still giggling at the thought of a I'm man. I'm a I'm a juvie. Help, I'm a juvie. The <laughs> man rolled up in a, in a tiny joint, very terrified that he's a joint now. I, 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 do, I do laugh at a, are you okay, bro? No, I'm a juvie. It's, it's ridiculous. And I wouldn't recommend it. No, it was some. It was some. It was some stupid times. There are six more of those fucking. There are films six we more of those films. Yet. I don't know how you how you escalate beyond this point. Fuck me. It's it's one of the. It's a series of films that I don't. I don't think they're good. But to watch them with some drinks with some friends can be a. Oh 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 god! What oh god! What decisions are we making now? Especially when you and that group of friends largely base your movie watching decisions about around what are the worst possible films we could watch. Yeah, what what is a film that like it's going to be a real coin flip whether it's good, bad, or bad, bad. We walk that line sometimes. Yes. You know what film weirdly fell on the other side of that line and was way better than it should have been? The Scrotum. <laughs> Surprisingly, the scrotum was surprisingly artsy. Yes, in in just the weirdest ways. Like there were weirdly art- artistic shots. Uh, there, there was, was uh, bizarre music choices that yeah. really worked, but also like yeah, with yourself. Yeah. So the the gist of this it, it's it's I will say I think it works that it's it's not too long. This film it's an it's about an hour. Yeah. It is a horror film where uh, some toxic waste gets poured in a river. And a uh, man and his girlfriend have gone camping, and she's like, "I won't suck your dick. You, 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 you didn't shave. Go shave in the ri- in the river." And toxic waste gets he goes in his... into the the the, the smoking cu- lake <laughs> with a cutthroat razor. Yeah, accidentally cuts cuts his balls, and now he's got toxic waste in there, and his testicles are murderous. Yes, and I <laughs> spent like five odd minutes making like new bottom surgery <laughs> jokes. Just dropped. I mean. I mean, you made those jokes, and then um, a very, very graphic scene of you bottom surgery just dropped occurs. Yeah, if you are even thinking about watching this film, and I, I, that sort of thing might disturb you. I did have to close my eyes for a good 45 <laughs> seconds. But yeah, like, for a film with that kind of stupid premise of there's two testicles in the woods trying to murder people. Two, you say? Two, two, I say. That's usually the number they come in. That's often the number they come in, but... Yeah, there was some like there were big long stretches of the film that had no dialogue and really pulled off having no dialogue. Yeah, and... did a good good job of like not doing that thing in a horror movie where the main character feels the need to talk to themselves yeah. just so that it isn't too quiet. It, it 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 felt like the film was willing to give a breathing room to its moments that so few, particularly like comedy horror films, are willing to do. Mm. Like, um, as you alluded, there was a musical sequence that was a. When I try and describe it, it's going to sound nonsensical. Um, a fight between a woman with a head strimmer and a testicle set to a classical music soundtrack for several minutes with no dialogue and no sound effects of the fight, just the classical music. Yeah, there's music. like a full aria going on in the background and and, and the scene is like sponsored by Manscaped. Is the head strimmer. <laughs> it's so good though, that scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like clearly, clearly... Somebody has some incredible uh, talent for for cinematography. It 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 genuinely genuinely is 
a film made by people who have studied filmmaking and know the rules well enough to fuck around with them. Yeah. Which, like, I did not expect that to be, like, the genuine one of the genuinely good recommends of the night yeah. of stupid horror. I did have to laugh at the fact that the, there's a person, like, very early on in that film sitting on a toilet reading a copy of uh, Lloyd Kaufman's uh, Make Your Own Damn Movie, <laughs> which is a book about making films on no budget. Yeah, <laughs> and they, they very effectively do that here. Yeah. Like, it's very it's very clear where they learned this art from. <laughs> um, yeah. So, other things we watched. We watched a horror film called Slotherhouse. We did. And I think that film is great. That puppet is awesome. It is, that is a it is, really good sloth it puppet. It is such a good, like, it is such a well-articulated puppet. The shifting facial expressions that that sloth is capable of. Yeah, like, I... Part of me seriously doubts, given the size of it, that there's all that much in the way of, like, electronics or motors. I suspect all of that is, like, mechanical and hand puppeted. I feel like that is the case. I agree with you. Um, the gist of this one was pretty simple. A sloth gets poached uh, from from uh, jungle. Um, a member of a sorority house ends up getting the sloth to have as, like, house mascot to try and become, like, head of the sorority. The sloth goes on a murder rampage for reasons, and... I thought this film was delightfully fun. Yeah. Um I I I was initially like thinking it was a bit like eye-rolly and silly in a in a not necessarily great way, but I think the thing that just completely won me over was taking a selfie with <gasps> oh, that yes. that um the the girl who just un- unplugged from the fucking life support <laughs> machine and oh. and cap- captioned it like hashtag killer sloth <laughs> yeah. So, like, here's the thing: the, the film walks a line for a while of is the sloth doing things a so inclined sloth could reasonably do. Like, there's a little bit of of like the sloth used a com- like moved the computer mouse and saw something on the computer. That's a little surprising. But by the end, it's like, no, don't expect real world sloth rules. This sloth is. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if the ending of the film had been, oh, that's a man who was trapped in a sloth body by a witch. Like, but that that film goes from, like, silly, light-hearted comedy with the threat of something bad might happen to genuinely exciting third-act horror of, like, you, you are trapped in here with something truly deadly. And, like, they, they, they do the gradual grow, uh, climb to that point, I think, really well. It's some of the, like... Like shot decisions in that kind of remind me of that era of like parody horror movies of your your mm. um, scary movies and your not another teen movie type things. Yeah. Like the the scene where like uh, is it like lightning striking outside and <gasps> they keep being yes. like lightning flashes. Um, the there's this woman lying on the floor of like uh like uh the room in a, the sorority yeah, the house the, yeah. in the dorm room and like. At first, it's like the, the the sloth is like on the top bunk, then it's like hanging off the side of the bed, <laughs> then it's down the stairs, then it's down the ladder, then it's right on top of her. Now it's behind the wardrobe. <laughs> it's it's it, it's not an entire film of that vibe, but it knows how to use like it knows how to use the 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 jokey sensibilities of those old parodies to lighten the tone just enough during the heavier moments. Yeah. 
And we we both firmly planted our flag in. We want the lesbian to survive. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> right at the no. beginning of this. Yeah, five minutes into that film, I'm like, you. you you're the best character. You're the best character. <laughs> you you in your flannel with your katana. You you are the best. Go <laughs> brew your craft beers in your dorm room or whatever. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then last film to discuss of that batch is one I've been meaning to see for ages. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, so Willy's Wonderland yes. is the unofficial knockoff of Five Nights at Freddy's. It's One Night at Willy's. One Night at Willy's. But the thing... So I knew it starred Nicolas Cage was in a Five Nights at Freddy's knockoff. What I didn't know is that Nicolas Cage doesn't say a single word in the fucking film. And that's brilliant. And that's perfect. <laughs> he is one of the only actors I think could have pulled that nonsense off and made it work. Yeah. Um yeah, it, it it's it's a pretty simple premise. It's just here here's the place that's full of animatronics and they killed some kids and it got shut down and there's a tourist trap being set up to like feed visitors to the the robots or whatever. Because otherwise they might kill everyone in the town. Yeah, it's an uneasy alliance. We'll give you people that you can eat if you don't eat us scary animatronics. And um, Nicolas Cage says, I refuse to be the victim in this horror film. Look, um, Nicolas Cage was sent in there with a, hey, w- I will repair your, your car <laughs> and give it back to you in the morning if you clean my terrifying restaurant. And take regular breaks. And take regular breaks. And he both cleans that terrifying restaurant and takes regular breaks. I, I, think, I think the best way to sum the tone of this film up is... Big action scene where robot is violently murdered, and then like five minute scene of Nick Cage just gently cleaning the place where he killed the robot that he already cleaned like five minutes ago in a montage. But he's like, "Fine, now I'm gonna get oil off of the urinals again." <laughs> it's it is such a fun film. I think that the animatronics, while you know they're clearly a bit, they use a bit more CGI than would be ideal. Like, they have clear personalities, and they set world-building up quite quickly. And And there are some practical effects in that. Oh, definitely. There are some practical effects. There's There's clearly some stuff that they just couldn't manage. Yeah. One one animatronic is clearly just a woman in a mask. Yeah. Um, Which is like, yeah. Like, some of the choices are a little, like, not the best, but the overall package is a masterpiece. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, that that is a truly good bad movie. It's it is the pinnacle of what a of what that kind of film can be. Uh, there, I, I hear I, it's better than Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, infinitely so. Um, but yeah, I I think the less you know about it going in, the better. It is a very fun ride, and knowing that Nicolas Cage is going to go the entire runtime without saying a word is a magical thing to know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Did you watch anything else this week? Uh, no, that is it for me. Well then, time for this. Hey, Laura. Yes? We've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you want to receive things? What, like in the post in the post, in the post yeah. right? I mean, it's that time of year. Stuff's arriving at the house sometimes. And do you find that sometimes that the service involving the receiving of things isn't always <laughs> the best? I've known better than sometimes recently where things have not arrived as they were meant to. What if there was a service where they would guarantee a time slot? <gasps> oh. And not an all-day time slot, like a an hour time slot. Oh, that would actually be very helpful. Right? What if they would then guarantee that the person would knock on the door 
and wait. And and not just pretend that they knocked on the door, yep. but like actually do it. Yeah, and also if there are multiple sources of alert person inside house, they would be like, ah, oh, doorbell, ding ling. Door knocker, knock knock. <gasps> and and would would they like wait for a, enough time for me to actually get to the door? They will wait for at least three minutes. <gasps> My god, this is a genius service. What? Who or what is this? What, how do I do this? This week's sponsor is postofficepro.lol.net. I might actually get the service that I sort of expected as a baseline. Yeah. <gasps> the, they, the, now, don't look too heavily into how much it costs to send anything through Post Office Pro, but if you are willing to pay a premium of 60 grand a year then you can guarantee that you will get the best possible postal service and you're going to get your post every time. That is pretty pricey. If you're willing to pay for the premium pro post office pro, then you will actually have a person who will come to your door with your package and if you're not in, they'll just stay there. They'll, they'll just camp on your doorstep until you arrive. Yeah, no, no, going to the post office, nothing. You just, you, you're just I mean, gonna I mean, have that, your package. I mean, that sounds, that sounds pretty pricey. But like, the alternative is currently having to deal with post not showing up when it's supposed to. So like, I get, I, I, I guess. Or Avery, they'll throw it in a lake that's in the same town as your house. In the same town, they've, they've improved recently. It used to be the same county. Oh, that was Hermes. Ah, <laughs> very different company. So that's. Postofficepro.lol.net, enter the code QNPS287, and you can get 5% off your first 10 year subscription. That's quite a commitment. No, it says bargain, bargain. Sorry, oh, that's a bargain. That's quite a bargain. Yeah, I think they'll sign off on that. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, I've been trying to think of ways we can make uh, make even more money. Right. I love making money. I love money. I love yeah. making yeah. more money. Yeah. So, I've been trying to think of, like, something we could sell in Call of Duty, some kind of power-up that would be worth charging, like, more money than we've ever charged before. Like, I'm thinking, you know, microtransactions, no, macrotransactions. Wow. And, like, you know, we gotta, we gotta really offer some competitive advantage to uh to make this work right so I, I would be concerned though that if we're talking about macro versus microtransactions that we are going to need quite a lot of content to, to oh, you know, that sounds like oh you know, no 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 i've i uh, look i've been i've been cooking something in secret for a while right right and look it's a little out there i'm gonna i'm gonna need you to follow me on this one Right. What if? Yeah. We make like a like a like a special move or a power up or a uh, you know a grenade type or something. Right. That you can buy. That uh, look, there's no good way for me to say this. It's gonna do a bunch of flashing lights and maybe give someone on the other team a seizure. Right. Because my thinking is they what, won't be able to beat you in game if, if you have on the floor literally killed them. Right. So like. Your chances of winning are going to be considerably higher if your opponent dies. Right. That is probably worth a lot of money. Right. Uh, I do need to talk to legal about if we're liable if we do this. Because, like... No, no. I mean, we can't be. Because we have that whole thing that comes up for, like, half a frame at the start when it's, like... This game may contain flashing images. Yeah, yeah. It might it might trigger photos and stuff. It, like, torture your doctor. It's on them, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not us. It's their fault. Well, like, that's they the had thing. to sign the EULA. It was definitely in the EULA. So, 
the the only bit of maths I'm doing, and like I'm pretty sure it works, is uh, if someone has a seizure, they're not gonna buy more uh, more DLC for the game. So it is gonna cost us some income there, right? But we do not have to output any of the cash they've already got saved in our system. Well, yeah, and I'm thinking we we charge, you know, enough for these seizure-inducing grenades or whatever they are. We charge, you know, like like $100 a grenade. Right. You know, that'll probably eclipse what, you know, pers- person having a seizure would have spent, I reckon. How about this? We wall off the um, epileptic whales, but we keep the epileptic Pores who've just been doing like the the free game. I don't know. I don't think people are going to buy a hundred dollar grenade if they don't know that there's a real world chance of it. Uh, they don't know. They, to... they don't have to know. And that's our back end figures. Well, I mean, look, if they throw that grenade and no one on the opposite team stops moving, then uh, they're going to feel a little ripped off. Maybe a, maybe a, a bot or two. How about then? If it's not just a seizure thing, what if it also like messes with like people's hearing and um i don't know sense of taste and other things what, is, what is we, there anything like can we put a subliminal message in that like makes people's ears bleed or something i mean we could probably get the dev team to get working on it you are a fucking genius i know so <gasps> what have you put in your ears listen to a lot of new stuff this week. I've been doing a lot of writing, so I've not been listening mm-hmm. to a lot of new music. I listened to one new bit of music this week. You? Uh, a track called Candleburn. Apparently what I listened to was the Dawn demo of the track by a uh, band called Rabbitology. Uh, it's a very staccato, like intricately uh, sort of bouncy kind of song. Uh, largely plucked guitar with a little light percussion. But the thing about the sound of it that I, I, I was really caught by is that it has this very fast sort of um, dancing, quickly read uh, femme vocal line uh, that is really catchy. The The way that the, the vocals are like isolated words that, that have a lot of sort of precision to how they're delivered very quickly uh, is, is really fun. Uh, about this sort of expectation that's drilled into women that they shouldn't ambitiously reach for opportunities that might be in their grasp. That sort of uh, show restraint, that's not for you attitude that can be used as a sort of restrainer of a female ambition, uh, which is a, a good, interesting track. Mm. Other than that, it's mainly just been looking back at my list of most listened to songs this year. Ah, uh, yes, it's been that time, hasn't it? It's that time of year, uh, the the aggregation of what were you listening to, and I don't have a lot to say about these, but I'll give some recommendations of the things that were the sound of my year, apparently. Love from the Other Side by Fallout Boy. Uh, which was their that first... Was a new one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first single when they sort of came back after after a while, and that song is catchy as hell. It's got, like, you could see it being, like, in an anime opening kind of energy to it. It's it's bombastic, it's exaggerated, it's not taking itself too seriously. I love that track a lot. I listened... So, at some point, I think it was this year, um, We Are OFK came out, uh, which oh, was... Yeah. Uh, game, a sort of narrative adventure game about a group of people trying to start a band, and each episode had a song in it, and those five songs ended up being the debut EP for a real band called OFK. And all of the tracks off of that debut EP, all of the tracks from, from OFK, um, all made it pretty high up on my most listened of the year. Mm. They are really good, creative, interesting tracks, and using uh, cu- like an hour to an hour and a half of narrative to set up and contextualize each track 
really gave me a big emotional investment in that music. It was mm. a really good way to get me invested in uh, a debut of a band. May um, I ask, as yeah. someone who doesn't use Spotify, uh, what was your most played MCR track this year? Foundations of Decay ah. is the next one I was about to get to in the list. Well. Um, apparently, Foundations of Decay is still exactly what my brain is craving <laughs> in the MCR realm. I, I have not yet soaked... I've not yet soaked all of the uh, <laughs> the dopamine out of that one uh, to to the kind of degree that I have with tracks that have been around a decade longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to a bunch of No Children Scar by Sad Snack, which is a Scar cover of a Mountain Goats song. Okay. Uh, that is, like, the original song is quite... Uh, 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 it is a song about quite a bitter, like, ending of a relationship, mm-hmm. and having a relationship that ends in such a place that you kind of hope for nothing but the worst for the person, and right. that transposed into upbeat Scar is fascinating. <laughs> I fucking love this, like, I want to have a dance to it while singing about, like, I'm drowning, there's no sign of land, you're coming down with me, hand an unlovable hand, but you're doing your little knees up. Mm. It's a it's a great cacophony of energy. And the last one that I hadn't listened to in ages and has like I absolutely used to love this track and it shot back up this year, was uh Monsters by Super Powerless. Uh Super Powerless is a uh, was a one person band that existed like a decade ago, making sort of chiptune uh, chiptune-based music, who made one fantastic, wonderful album about, like, uh, struggling with mental health, and it's one of my favourite albums of all time, and then Britain's Got Talent fucked the guy over, and mm. he lost his passion for making music. And Monsters is the title track off that album, and I still think that track is a masterpiece. I fucking love it. If you've never heard that album, go check out Super Powerless go look up the album Monsters, I think it's well worth a listen. Mm. What about you? What have you been listening to? Well, since I finally finished my my listen-through of all of Welcome to Night Vale, all 239 episodes, mm. I am up to fucking date after yeah. all this time. Uh, gosh knows when I will get back to listen to it, but I now have time to listen to other things. So I've caught up with a bunch of the uh, new season, or the most recent season, of uh, the SCP archives. Um, some highlights of the ones I've listened to so far, I am not yet up to date, which is nice. Nice to have a, a bit of that kicking around if I'm feeling in the mood for much of the same stuff at the same time. Um, so the first one is, uh, SCP-7776, The Unwell. It's about a, uh, fairly remote village where all of the villagers are engaged in some quite horrendous practices. And it turns out the reason why is that if they don't perform these practices, there is a creature that lives down the well that will get closer to coming to the surface, and it can basically bend reality, and everything ends up a bit like a horrifying Bethesda game. So people can clip into each other, or through the floor, and um, things will get run into each other, there'll be like blood raining from the sky, and and like time glitches and reality bending stuff so but basically anyone who gazes upon the well even once after about 48 hours they will start to have visions of a ceremony that could be performed in order to keep this thing down the well because although they're doing horrible things the the thing that happens when they let it go on is far far worse 
And it's a fascinating story that takes place over, like, a really long period. There's, like, ancient knights who went there in, like, many, many centuries ago. And they were like, oh, no, Christianity, this is, oh, they're doing these terrible pagan practices. And after about, like, six days of the sky raining blood and things getting worse and worse and worse, they're like, you know, maybe we should have just listened to the villagers and their horrendous practices. We're never going to be able to come home, so... Just to let you know, we are here as guardians of the villages in God's name now. Yeah, and then, like, years later, the SCP Foundation basically doing the same thing as the Knights and realising, no, we really need to just keep doing the horrible thing and also no one else is allowed to come here because if you know too much about the well, you might start to think about the well and be infected by the the mimetic nature of it. Uh, The Unwell is a really fascinating story. Mm. Nomads of the Fourth Dimension Step is about... There's eight tribes. They all sort of slide through time or exist at different time periods in the same place. There seems to be something binding them together. They have sort of a shared history, but some of them seem to remember it better than others. And... Maybe there is a reason they're all tied together, but they don't know it. Mm. And uh, it's it's a like, fascinating story about, first of all, about just describing these, these eight tribes that live seemingly on top of each other in time, occasionally crossing over, some of them being like much more hated than the others. Uh, but maybe the reason certain people are doing certain things is because they remember something terrible and that has to be maintained. It's an interesting one. Uh, yes, I will talk more on that later. Um, I'm halfway through one called Meet Me in the Stars, which is fascinating. It's about uh, an insectoid species that comes to visit the Earth. And maybe there's more to why they're so excited to meet humanity uh, than they're letting on. They are fascinated little adorable um, hexapedal insects who were just fascinated that they found other life in the universe after all this time, even if they had to go to the other side of everything, to meet us. Um, And the only other thing I really want to talk about um, (coughs) is Neon Inkwell. Do you know of Neon Inkwell? Uh, Name is familiar. I don't know specifics. It's uh, a project from Rusty Quill. Mm -hmm. So the... uh, story that's happening at the moment is called Of That Colossal Wreck. I don't know how long it's going on for. It's mm-hmm. written by Sasha Sienna and Jonathan Sims. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's got good people on it. And it is a story about a group of people who wake up aboard a seemingly empty seed vault ship mm. in space. So, you know, like the the seed vault that exists yeah, in the um, yeah. yeah so it's like that but there's also these clones that kind of are all supposed to wake up together and there's going to be a whole s- ceremony and things and they're basically i assume designed to rebuild earth somewhere out in the solar system so that humanity as a whole doesn't die but it seems like first of all not everyone's waking up secondly the ship isn't working properly like, there's a lot of things that just seem to be generally broken, like the fire suppression system. Um, there's a whole bunch of other people who are still in deep sleep that haven't woken up, but everyone's supposed to be waking up together. Everyone, uh, or, or all of these new clones, are um, basically implanted with memories to get them started. 
Like the doctor very much knows they are un- understand like doctoring and medical stuff, and, and they have a great understanding of that. But then you've got others who are like. I have to report to the captain. There's supposed to be a big ceremony, and then I report to, like, my captain. I can't necessarily do that, because there doesn't appear to be anyone in charge here, or any way of contacting anyone. And there's, I think, maybe six or seven of them just wandering around this vast ship that is glitching out, breaking down, and possibly infested with something or other. Um... And and it's it's fascinating because it it does that kind of thing that uh, Cube does of none of these people know really how they got here. They don't have a full understanding of themselves or any of their skills or anything. They just have sort of vague feelings about themselves. Then trying to sort of go on this possibly um, deathly adventure through a vast ship that doesn't work very well and might kill them all. <laughs> Um, yeah, there there are... I've listened to the first two episodes. There is a third episode up. It seems to be maintaining a weekly schedule. Ooh. So if you're interested in some more spoopy stuff from, from uh, Rusty Quill, uh, maybe give it a try. Have you listened to anything else, dear? That's about it for me, I think. Well then, <laughs> time for this. Hello. So, um, publicist, you there? Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. Well, uh, yes, you're you're the uh, you're, you're you're the one who's supposed to make me look good. I'm trying my best, but you are not making it easy. Well, you know, I did I did scoff at uh, anyone foolish enough to pay tax. Well, recently. I mean, yes, you did, you did. Yes, um, yeah. I mean, they are fools, tax so, people. So, ideas. Um, you, we could, we could. Uh, uh, we could do a little photo shoot if you went and did like a oh. spent an afternoon uh, uh, serving food at a homeless shelter. We could take uh, some photos, no, some sort of no, fake no. candid photos. That and... sounds like the wrong kind of work. Now, the kind of work I do that keeps, you know, that's my my 20 hour day. The kind of work I do is I tell other people that they're not as good as me. Uh, and that the kind of work you're talking about sounds a bit too much like touching paws. Well, you could... Uh, you know, uh, implement a profit share this year. Uh, that would probably get some good headlines. What's that then? In, well, you take a portion of the, 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 the profit the company's made yes. and give some of it to the people who did the work down in the lower, down in the company rung, so no, they can that, share the profit. Uh, no, that doesn't make any sense. Um... Okay, um, you could uh, do, do a ch- charitable donation... Oh, like one of those um, tax write-offs. I, I do love writing off tax. Uh, I mean, yes, but you don't call it that in interviews. Just say you uh, did it for for altruism. Altruism. No, 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 no. no. Oh, I, you know what? You know what? I, I've just had a much better idea than anything you've ever thought of okay, ever, because you're a pleb. Okay. So what if I spent a fortune on advertising with one of my own companies, so again, you know, all rolling back to myself, and it'll be a whole campaign of telling the pause to donate money to the other really much more poorers. I'll get all my celebrity friends on and we'll, we'll be like, oh, it's, it's a very difficult time that we've made for you by, you know... Paying your governments to run through all these tax cuts for me. So give money to that person who can't eat and doesn't have a house because I bought all the properties and now I'm renting them back to you as Airbnbs. 
You know, can can you just polish that up a bit and get it off the ground for me? I think no matter what I say, you're going to do that anyway. Yes, I am, because I'm a genius. Mm. Right, off for lunch with Elon. <laughs> right, welcome, welcome everyone, welcome everyone. Uh, quiet down, quiet down, all. Um, I I've called this press conference to uh, make make a uh, a statement as the head of the political party, uh, and I would like to. Make it officially known, uh, as as a as a party, that we share your concerns and we are working on a solution. Uh, Prime Minister, what 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 are you looking for a solution for? Your concerns. We share them and are working on a solution. But but which concerns in in particular? Your concerns. Mine. Yes, yours. Okay. Your concerns. So, as a person who can vote in this country, your concerns. We're working on a solution for them. We share them. Right, so you can make sure that I get home in time to pick my kids up from school? Everyone, we are, we share your concerns. We're not going to say exactly what that means, but assume it's the thing you, listener, specifically want. We share your concerns and are working on a solution. Thank you. No more, no further questions about what... What that means that we share your Prime, Prime Minister, Prime Minister, Prime Minister, your Prime Minister, Prime, Prime Minister. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Social justice warriors. Social justice warriors. Yeah. All right, Larry. All right, Barry. How are you doing? Oh, mate. You know the uh, the winter malaise is uh, is is sinking in. You know yeah. we've had surprisingly few hours of of natural daylight. But, yeah, uh, de- middle of the day, feeling like the middle of the night a bit. I mean, to be honest, it didn't even get to the middle of the day today before I, you know, I could barely see anything without all the lights on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you doing all right, mate? Oh, I'm doing all right. Doing yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, festive periods approaching, and yeah, uh, yeah. Had a had a few people who, you know, didn't didn't do so in any ill harm, but yeah, were like, yeah. oh, you. Uh, uh, you see, seeing the family over the festive period, right, so, yeah, so yeah. you know, ask, uh, the assumption being that, like, oh, oh definitely, definitely going to involve uh, family to some degree, and, right? Uh, yeah. You know, got me thinking about the fact that, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of like assumption and uh, pressure that, like, this time of year will involve family. And yeah, a lot of people yeah. who just sort of take that as a given without realizing that, like, that's really not everyone's situation. Yeah, you know. yeah, I think, you know, people get hooked up on this whole thing of uh, what the the festive period should be. And, you yeah. know, in their mind, they have, you know, those, uh, you know, the, the movies they watched of, uh, as kids as, you know, a, a large extended family all together and, uh, you know, a huge amount of expense spent on food and gifts and for things you, um, for people you barely know and, and, and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of assumption that like the things that are traditions for you or that make you know the festive period what it is for you apply to everyone. And yeah, yeah. you know, it's important to sometimes stop and go like you know maybe not everyone you know you know maybe maybe the festive period isn't about gifts for someone because of their financial situation or it's not about family because of well, you know whatever their family situation is <laughs> or you know maybe it's not about uh you know you, you don't know what like general life stuff someone's going on that might yeah. affect their holidays or yeah, what some like, people you know, have got trauma around the whole season yeah. you know so I was going to say is like you know trauma around the holidays itself is a thing and you know be, be open to the fact that, like, don't just assume, of course, you're doing blank for the holidays, because, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. can that can sometimes dig into some sore subjects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then also on top of that, you know, not 
demanding explanations from someone who just knows gets is not celebrating the way yeah, you are. I don't really. I, I don't do X, Y, or Z mm. at this time of year and go cool. I hope you're having a good time with whatever you're doing this yeah, time. Yeah. You know, let, stay let warm, it, stay safe. Let I it hope be what kind. it is. You know. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, fancy hug. Oh yeah. <sighs> <sighs> good on, mate. Good, good on. Right, I think I'll go and uh, pop the kettle on. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> so, you do things, many things, so many things on the internet. I do. People find I all of your things. Do. Like, you can find the stuff I do at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, uh, uh, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Blue Sky, Mastodon, all the places. Just search Laura K. Buzz, you'll find all the things. There will be some end of year wrap up and looking forward into the new year content coming, and probably a little bit of a quiet spell over the festive period as best I can, and try and take a little bit of time to rest. But there's a whole year or multiple years worth of back content to find by just searching Laura K. Buzz. Mm-hmm. What about you? Me? Well, I don't have universal branding, but I can be found at uh, Linktree, linkter.ee slash janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. You can find the t-shirts I design, the music I, I make. There's new music out as of today, at the time of recording. Uh, it's Tuesday, the 12th of December. Uh, yeah. I know vaguely what's yes, happening. 12. Yeah, there's new music out today. It's kind of weird lo-fi stuff. Check it out. It's over on the Bedroom Programmer uh, SoundCloud. Uh, I, you can help support all of my bad decisions and all the things I make and help me yeah. feel creative and maintained at patreon.com slash stonedmonkeyradio. For as little as a dollar a month, you can keep me going and well, much appreciated. I love supporting time. bad decisions. Well, I am your bad decision. <laughs> oh, you make a good decision. <laughs> um, I love you. I love you. I'm going to have to say goodbye to them now. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, will you sing us out, please, darling? Until next time, be a stranger. Now back to smooching. <laughs>